Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. It's time for panic. Parent action news in cars. Hello, child. Why don't you come inside? Uh, no, that's okay. Hey, baby girl, I've got some exciting news for you. What? You're going to watch yourself tonight. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. My name is Veronica Avila. And I'm Dr. Alicia Laos. Welcome to The Struggle is Real. Hello, doctor. How are you? I'm doing really well. Excited to be here. Yes, so am I. Now, Omar Ramos is on vacation, so filling in for him is guest host, who is also a writer and theater production director at Family Bridges. His name is Freddie Beckley. How are you, Freddie? Welcome to The Struggle is Real. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I just became a parent myself. I have a three-month-old, so I'm happy to listen to these sketches along with the parents at home. Believe me, we are all going to learn something new today. Okay, great. Watch, especially during this topic. It's called, If You Love Them, Let Them Go. And joining our conversation today, all the way from Phoenix, is Katie McPherson. She's executive director of the Garyon Institute, former K-12 administrator and educator and co-author of WTF, Why Teens Fail, What to Fix. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much. So, yeah, Katie, we're so happy to have you here. I'd like to start, if I could, with a question. Do you consider yourself to be a model parent? (laughs) Oh, how I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I I have four girls, ages 9, 9, 10, and 11. Every day is the struggle is really real for me. (laughs) So, um, although I do a lot of parenting workshops and work with parents, I'm in the trenches with all of you and everyone that's listening. By no means an expert, but definitely have some practical tips and strategies that I use on a daily basis. For sure, for sure. And I really think, honestly, that's all you can ask of a parent is to have some tried and true strategies and points of view, but believe it or not, there's a lot of opinionated people out there mm-hmm. who, re- <laughs> you know, sometimes it's easier to critique someone else than to take a look at your own parenting mm-hmm. strategies, but, you know, people love to talk about how other people are parenting and how they're doing it wrong and yeah. what they would do better, and for a closer look at that, we're going to listen to our first sketch, which we call Panic. Good evening, and welcome to Parent News. I'm Brock Tyerson. And I'm Jill Jeffries. Coming up before the end of the hour, a list of gluten-free foods that might be slowly killing your children. Or are they? Uh, but before that, it's time for panic. Parent Action News in Cars. That's right, Brock. We cut now to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where local woman Debbie Slatham has just parked her car. In the back, resting peacefully, unassumingly, completely innocently, are Debbie's twin infant sons. As always, a nice, quiet drive has soothed them right to sleep. This is unfortunate, however, for Debbie, this mother of two, as the purpose of this trip is to return her recent DVD rental, Bananas Bananas. (laughs) Bananas Bananas. Itself received a PG rating because of the adult content deemed entirely unsuitable for young children. 
This, however, did not deter Debbie from renting and playing the DVD for her twins without so much as even screening it privately for herself beforehand. And I think that's all we need to hear to know exactly what kind of mother we're dealing with here, Brock. Yes, Jill. But even more shocking is the news that soon this DVD will be overdue. In fact, if Debbie does not return the DVD to the movie box where she rented it within the next hour, she will be facing some pretty serious late charges. I'm not surprised to see this lack of foresight coming from Debbie, nor am I surprised that she chose to drive her two sons back to the movie box alone. If her husband were here now, he could return the DVD, but instead Debbie is left alone to complete the task. Yes, Jill. It's safe to say the more we find out about Debbie, the less we like her. Even so, she certainly wouldn't jeopardize the safety of her children to avoid a $3 late fee. Or would she? Oh. But but what's that? Debbie is unbuckling her seatbelt. She's looking back and forth between the movie box several feet away from the car and her infant sons still sleeping in the back seat. Surely she's not going to leave them unattended. Surely not, Rock. Debbie's not that kind of a monster. She has taken bananas bananas in hand and is opening her car door, but I am certain she'll be taking both infant car seats with her to the movie box. At least they have car seats, Jill. And oh, but no. No, I, I can't be seeing this correctly. I must be mistaken. Oh, mistaken you are not, Jill. Debbie, the mom everyone loves to hate, has just locked her sons inside the car as they sleep and is walking briskly to the movie box. What is going through her mind, Brock? Is she not aware of the level of carbon dioxide cycling through her sleeping children's lungs? Certainly not, Jill. She seems blissfully unaware of any and all peril as she inserts bananas, bananas back into the movie box and... Oh, no. Oh, dear God. Ladies and gentlemen, we thought this was bad, but brace yourself. It now seems Debbie is leisurely browsing through the DVD selection for another movie. Hasn't she done enough, Jill? Hasn't she done enough? Everyone at home, I know this is, this is difficult to watch, but rest assured, Brock and I will be here as long as it takes reporting live as Debbie continues to gamble with the lives of her children. Who rents DVDs anymore? Doesn't she know she can stream media from her computer or her smartphone? Doesn't she know? Just breathe, Brock, breathe. <laughs> she makes me sick. She makes us all sick, Brock. She makes us all sick. <laughs> all righty then. Oh, that was bananas, bananas. Oh, man. All right. So, Dr. Lois, we just heard two reporters on a fake news show called Parent Action News who were reporting on Debbie, a mom who left her two sleeping infants in the car just for a few minutes while she was going to the movie box to return the PG movie Bananas, Bananas, which they judged her for renting just in the first place and showing to her infant sons. And then she goes and looks for a new movie to rent. Is Debbie an unfit mom for leaving her kids in the car while she does this? It's a riot. I think the skit um, <laughs> highlights how much we love gossip, people. Goodness, yeah. Have you ever sat down in a couch with a good friend and just, you know, enjoyed the gossip? Come on, I know I, it's true. You I, like it. You like it. No, Those are the, That's what, what those two guys are doing. They're having a blast <laughs> and they're enjoying at the poor mercy of this mom that's having a hard time. But, you know, it highlights how... We often criticize her and are pretty critical today. And there's been some news articles and things like that about 
so and so parents that leave their kids in in the car for X and Y reason, and obviously mm-hmm. if the temperature is freezing or too hot, mm-hmm. those can be dangerous circumstances. Or or in a neighborhood where there's high violence, you know, we've we've heard all sorts of news around that. But it just highlights how hyper vigilant we have become as parents, where we criticize other parents and hold them to standards that are sometimes just not very compassionate and not mm-hmm. very understanding of all the things that are going on. And so I think. This highlights that. And instead of us thinking about some other virtues that we want to instill in our kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we become pretty micro vigilant about tiny little things like two minutes that we left the kids in the car. And and I get it. There's difficult neighborhoods and things like that that we have to be cautious. And so it's a situation from situation. But we're pretty aggressive as a society Mm -hmm. when... When we see something, you know, I've seen situations where we've heard tragic news. You know, there was one couple once that their son unfortunately fell over the ledge in a zoo. Oh, yes. And one of the animals and, you know, the situation was pretty tragic and everybody was so nasty, you know, to these parents because, you know, they stopped looking for a second. And if you have children, you know that it takes less than a second for them to get in all sorts of hot messes. And yes, there are negligent parents out there. And that angers me and upsets me mm-hmm. when we do see that negligence and abuse. And I understand that we need to have that sense of justice for children. On the other hand, we get so hyper crazy. And sometimes what we need to have is compassion. Yes, there's got to be that balance, I guess. You have to assess situation by situation. Now, I'm going to bring this up because I know that I've seen this in my daughter's school. I went one day. It was report card day. So I go in there and get the report card. Ta-da, and I came back. I'm walking out with my with my son, first grade. So the parents that were going in at this time were parents of first graders. Well, there were these two parents gossiping about another parent that had just come in. And those little things do irk me because mm-hmm. I'm coming out and I have my son with me. And they're like, well, did you see? She went and she got him that hat. And then the following week, she's going to get him something new. Well, I don't know why she's doing this. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Seriously, lady, you have your kid with you. Can you just go? Like, yes, I understand when a child is in, in danger or something. But you're, you're talking about somebody else because they're buying their kid shoes or, or whatever it is. No. I was like, okay, let me take a I'm this, this year. I'm you, gossip is entertaining. That's why we do oh, it, because no. we enjoy the moment so much. And we forget that we're discrediting others in oh, the process. Oh, man, man. Now, Katie, what do we do with these reporters or gossipers who have nothing better else to do than criticize and judge, whether they're family? And sometimes we see it in our family or other parents, neighbors. What can you say to them? Well, I think it's really important that we as community members really frame for each other that all of our kids are all of our kids and that as a village that we're trying to bring up to be safe, resilient children into young adults and into adulthood, that it's our responsibility to be open and honest with each other. Um, If we expect our children not to gossip and not to intimidate and harass other students, then we can't be talking about each other's children and Mm -hmm. each other in our homes and expect that that behavior is not going to trickle down to our students. So whenever I speak to parents, my first slide in my PowerPoint presentation is how can we be better villagers? Because the world, everything our kids see right now is judging other people. We sit on our couches and judge people on America's Got Talent or The Voice. Mm -hmm. And we make fun of people. And so then we say to them, but don't bully kids at school and don't talk about others. But the reality is we as adults 
and families sit and do it all the time. So we can't expect behavior Mm. to be in alignment with what we're asking for unless adult behavior is in alignment. Mm. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. We can't say to one group of people, it's okay to sit here and to Mm -hmm. critique and judge Mm -hmm. and say how you're better than these people, whether it's on a show like America's Got Talent. We can't feed that culture, but then simultaneously tell our children, don't behave that way, because that's saying one thing and doing another. We're and that's sending so confusing. many mixed messages out there. Absolutely. Mixed messages, Absolutely. yes. Now, for Dr. Laos, for parents that take in critiques and the, the other parents are saying, what can you say to them? Because that can also create anxiety for some parents that may feel unfit because other parents are talking about that. Well, if you're feeling unfit because other parents are talking about that, you're probably a good parent <laughs> because you know, you're <laughs> thinking about it and you're considering it and you're taking it to wait. The parents often that we see that are to the extreme that, you know, they are the kids that have left the door open and, you know, you go inside the home and everything's chaotic and, you know, the kids are wandering and there's aimlessness, you know, that kind of a picture of a parent. Those parents won't necessarily assume that they're a bad parent oftentimes or that they're not doing what they need to do. So if you're finding yourself having some of that, call it. It could be an opportunity to reflect. We can always listen to others and that can bring some highlight to some of the areas that we need to grow and strengthen. That's always important mm-hmm. to be aware of, especially if, if we're hearing the same thing from several different resources, like our mom said it, okay, we might kind of hold it. And then somebody else and somebody else, you know, then you start saying, okay, there's a pattern here and there's something that I want to be able to work on and grow. So being able to be open to feedback in that regards is, is a good thing because it helps us grow. We're not perfect. We don't all have it together and we can build on each other. Now, it's interesting to me that I think it's certainly a sign of the times we live in, but as our culture is encouraging people to become more critical of each other, parents are also becoming more protective of their children than they were say, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did a little bit of research. We looked into a report by the uniform crime rate, and we actually found that violent crimes in this country have dropped to the same or similar levels that they were in 1972, and that the murder rate itself is actually lower than it was in 1965. Mm -hmm. So that's 50 years ago, more than 50 years ago, the violent rate is declining. And in fact, incidents of child abuse are on the decline from that time as well. With that in mind, Dr. Lowe's, why is it that parents have become more overprotective in these years? Well, I think there's more awareness. So if something happens in Asia, we know about it right Mm -hmm. right away, immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so our world has become very close. Awareness of information makes us a little bit more conscientious and hypervigilant about what's happening. And and so I think that there's an element of that as well. We have our kids 24-7 today, whereas before there was a culture of letting them go all day Mm -hmm. and they came back for dinner. And that was kind of a culturally accepted norm. You know, you just let the kids and they come only for lunchtime or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know, dinner. And then they clean up and then that's that's how it was. But today we have them 24-7 within our, you know, supervision and our reach. And we, you know, we micromanage their time and we're constantly on top of it. And then if they're outside for two hours and we're not having that habit of seeing them, we don't know what's going on, that creates a little bit more anxiety in us because we don't have that peace about just letting them be for such a long, prolonged period of time. So there's some of that. The violence, I think, is coming in our home. 
through social media, through, I mean, not that we have anything against social media, mm-hmm. we embrace the things that are good, but when we don't have those controls, there are actually more harm coming in inside the home sometimes than outside. Mm-hmm. So whereas these statistics are interesting because their murder rate and things like that that you think of, the hoodlum, you know, that's out there. Right, the things mm-hmm. that we're trying They're going to kidnap your yeah. kids. What is actually increasing is more like cyber type of things like sex trafficking that we've mm-hmm. talked about before through luring kids through social media, through friends mm-hmm. and family. And so some of that awareness also creates some hesitancy in our part. So whereas the physical, someone kidnapping somebody or somebody coming in, you're robbing, maybe those things have decreased. Mm. What we have seen an increase is in things like cyberbullying, you know, all these other sure. cyber type of things. And then I think that creates some more vigilance in us that translates to let me protect my kids more. Sure. So it seems like maybe parents need to look at their priorities and yeah. say, it's not as important that I am with my child 24-7. What is important is that I am connecting with them yeah. in an important way in their life. Yeah. Now, we mentioned back in the day we weren't as overprotective. And with that in mind, we're going to go into our next sketch. This is called One Groovy Halloween. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, in the 70s. Trick or treat! <laughs> Hello, child. Why don't you come inside? Uh, no, that's okay. I won't bite. Besides, if you don't come in, how will you get any precious candy? All right, just for a minute. That's it. That's it. Come inside, if you dare. Now no one can hear you scream. <laughs> now, just what are you supposed to be? I'm Dr. Zadis from Planet of the Apes. A doctor, eh? Then tell me, do you think I should have this wart on my nose removed? It looks fake. You can probably just scrape it off. Mmm, sounds delicious. Speaking of delicious, I bet a little boy like you would be interested in some sweet treats. Yes, please. Marvelous. Marvelous! I've just baked up a fresh batch of these! The hearts of all the children to come to this house before you, roasted in the oven and skewered on a stick. Are those candy apples? No, I told you, they're the hearts of children. Children whose costumes did not thrill me. You see this one here, the heart of a little boy who dared dress up like Gene Simmons, the bass player from Kiss. Yuck! Your costume, however, Planet of the Apes. That is one groovy movie. I suppose I can let you live. Thanks. How does it taste, my pretty? Do you taste the razor blades? No. What about the cyanide? The cyanide tastes delicious. Drat! I must have given you the wrong poison apple. It's not poison at all. I'll have to get you next year. Maybe. <laughs> Nothing will save you then. Okay. Well, thanks. Happy Halloween, Mrs. Schultz. Uh- I'm not Mrs. Schultz. I told you, I'm a witch. Oh, right. Sorry. Now get out of here. Okay. And tell your parents I said hi. We'll do. Bye. (laughs) And so, little George continued out into the night, battling goblins and ghouls, and was back in bed well before his parents returned from their groovy party. The... 
Oh, man, it's hilarious. You're having fun. <laughs> that okay. would never fly so, today. She's no. sitting there joking about razor blades and poison in his apple no. while his parents Cyanide. were at a party. That would never fly today. No, 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 no. I guess back in the day, people were more laid back and yeah. more cool about leaving their kids alone. And maybe some parents still do it now. But Dr. Laos, what should parents be aware of as far as the harm that they can cause their children by just letting them be? You know, I think... We're a very safety-driven society. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily a a negative thing. There's probably been some kind of public awareness campaigns to increase safety because of the medical injuries that children otherwise would have. I mean, I know I broke lots of limbs. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's pretty expensive (laughs) when you think of it aggregately Mm -hmm. in a society. And so I'm sure some medical health agenda was out there to create more safety in the lives of kids. And so I think that safety has probably spilled over. Yeah into just even more cautiousness than was needed. And so we're a little bit more vigilant Mm -hmm. with our kids than back in the day. I mean, I've heard stories of there was no seatbelts back in the day. Kids were just like flying in the car everywhere and flailing. (laughs) And, you know, we didn't hear about the accidents that happened and the injuries. Some Um, countries still do that. Yeah. Yeah. For Katie, have you seen anything like this with the parents you've worked with? I think, unfortunately, just from my experience at the school level as an administrator, um, part of that hypervigilance that started about 10 or 12 years ago, we had a big oversweep of bullying prevention programs telling kids, somebody is mean to you, report, report, report to a trusted adult. And so what we're seeing now is kind of the effects of that. Mm-hmm that kids go to adults for everything. And we're, we're exiting secondary students from high school that have very low coping and resiliency skills because mom and dad, teachers, coaches, principals have sort of intervened on every single part of their life. Mm-hmm. And so growing up in the 80s, I had to figure out a lot of things. My parents were very good parents, but I learned a lot of things by trial and error on my own as opposed to an adult fixing it for me. Mm-hmm. And with that comes a profound maturity. And what we're finding, especially with these kids that are constantly on devices and being left alone, is that they don't have life skills. They don't know how to interface as humans. And when something does go wrong at school or at home or with a friendship, um, they go right into, you know, a spin of anxiety, which can also produce depression and other things like suicidal ideation. So when we look at anxiety, depression, and suicide rates amongst our 10 to 14-year-olds, those have climbed between 40 and 80% depending on the state you live in. And so, you know, my push with parents is if we continue to intervene and not let them go and have some of these bad, painful, messy experiences while we stand back and support them, that maturity can never come. And so the locus of control has become the adult instead of two kids working it out together with some adult guidance. You know, Katie, I have heard that same concern from educators in colleges Mm -hmm. where they're getting all these students that are having such a hard time making decisions, constantly texting their parents for, you know, this and that and the other. So what you're highlighting, it really is a problem Mm -hmm. um, that, unfortunately, it's kind of interesting because, you know, ironically, the overprotection is to protect them and we're doing so much harm. I mean, I see it at the, you know, I've been on a junior higher high school campus for 22 years and just recently stepped out to do this private organization, teacher training and parent training. And so just seeing the changes over the years of the swooping in of the parents and then the kids are just so 
anxious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It really, it really is debilitating. And when you talk to the kids, they're pretty honest about what they need and, and what they need from their parents. And so we need to do a better job of listening to our students and listening to our children. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm I'm thinking about all of this from the point of view of a father of a three-month-old. And it's very interesting to me, you're talking about the pendulum has swung to the other extreme, but you're dealing with kids in junior high school and high school that to an extent, you're already trying to fix and correct their behavior. I wonder, do you have any any tips for a new parent like me so that hopefully you won't get Mm -hmm. to the point where you're trying to you're trying to fix, fix my yeah. parenting sure. mistakes, well, but I can be your ally with I mean, it. Yeah. yeah, it's happening younger and younger. I mean, you have third, fourth, fifth graders who have access to devices. You are carrying right. around phones, and so they have learned to resolve conflict on text message or hmm. resolve oh. conflict on Snapchat or a platform that they've been given access to. So my biggest piece of advice would be restricting access to a medium that they're not ready for, but also as your child develops, allowing some of those very typical developmental things to happen. You know, not everything is bullying. Some things are just really annoying, teasing behavior. And if the sooner and younger you can give he or she a script of how to get through typical scenarios where someone's pushing boundaries and not allowing them to share or any of the things that would happen in elementary school. If we started teaching those types of behaviors in kindergarten by sixth, seventh, eighth grade, when they hit our junior highs, those coping and resiliency skills are so, that muscle has been used so much more. And what's happening is with adults fixing everything, they never learn those scripts and those role plays. Mm-hmm. And so when the stakes are really high in junior high and high school and kids are offering them, you want to vape in the bathroom, you want to go date me, you mm-hmm. you know, somebody tries to mm-hmm. touch them in an intimate way that they're not ready for. If those scripts and role plays have been practiced since kindergarten on, then those muscles are well-developed. But that isn't happening in our schools. And so we have a lot of kids that are looking for a numbing agent Mm -hmm. because they can't figure out how to make themselves feel better, especially in those teen years. So the more you can allow he or she to have really typical experiences where you're guiding, standing and guiding from afar the better, um, because that's where the maturity comes from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's well, that's so helpful, Katie. Thank you so much. I, I know my wife, sure. Mary, and I are already really trying to think how can we give our, our child, as young as she is, you know, her own autonomy and her own agency. And even just this last mm-hmm. weekend, we took a, a weekend just to unplug because a lot of people around the office of Family Bridges have talked about the benefits of that. And I was, I've been watching a lot of movies with my daughter, and I see her already staring at the screen. I said, ah, that's creeping me out. We're just going to – I'm not going to have my phone at all for the weekend. And I didn't even pause to consider that it would also be building up the skills that we're talking about here today. So thanks so much. Those are great tips. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to look at another alternative, which is – Maybe is it possible to give our children too much independence? The sketch to help us think more on that is called Last Minute Babysitter. Yeah? Where are you? You're 20 minutes late. What? No. (laughs) No. No, 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 no. You can't. I I booked you last week. You can't cancel now. Who's going to watch my daughter? Ugh, please, come on. If you find a way to get over here, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you double. Ugh, damn it. Fine, fine, bye. Yeah, uh-huh. <sighs> hey, Ellie? 
Ellie, come here, would ya? Hey, baby girl, I've got some exciting news for you. What? You're gonna watch yourself tonight. Where's Tiffany? Oh, she couldn't make it, honey, but I won't be gone very long. Just a... Well, you'll be asleep when I get home, but you can do this, right? Can I come with you on your date? No. No, Ellie, you wouldn't like it. Why not? It's just, well, it's a place for adults. And, you know, sometimes moms need some time for themselves, just like you need time for yourself. That's all this is. Okay. Okay, so I ordered a pizza. It's already paid for. When you hear the buzzer, you go ahead and buzz them in like you like to do. You remember how to do it. This button to buzz. Here, you stand on this chair. But press this button to talk first to make sure it's the pizza man. Can you do it? It's not a big deal, Ellie. You'll be fine. What else? Um, you can watch whatever you want. Don't use the stove. It's times like this. I wish I had a house phone. Um... It's fine. It's fine. Just be in bed by 10, okay? What if something happens? Like what? I don't know. Bob the landlord is right down the hall, apartment 110. If anything bad happens, go there. But don't bother him if you don't have to. Like if you have trouble sleeping, just be a big girl, all right? All right, Ellie? I want to go too. I, I told you, you can't. Now, Mommy's ride is arriving, so Mommy has to go, all right? Give me a hug. Oh, that's my sweet girl. Have fun, okay? For the next few hours, this place is all yours. <laughs> go nuts. Okay. That's better. Mwah. I love you. Lock this door behind me, okay? Okay. I'll be back before you know it. Bye-bye, baby. Bye. Oh, man. Okay, huh. so last-minute babysitter, right? Okay, so in that sketch, we had a single mom, and the babysitter just sort of flaked out on her. She mm -hmm. had to call her to find out why she was late. It turns out she's not coming. And understandably, the mom is excited about her date, but she ends up leaving her 7-year-old daughter alone for the night. Mm -hmm. Dr. Lowe's, is there something wrong with this picture? Well, I think we all felt the queasiness of the you know, seven-year-old opening. the chair over it and just stand on this chair and buzz them in, make sure it's not a stranger. Man. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of the other extreme, right? right? We saw in the earlier skit the overprotection in this one's we're seeing, just disregard for the age. In this. I mean, you have to consider as a parent the age of the child developmentally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, how easily they can get into harm's way a seven-year-old. Their judgment is definitely mm -hmm. not. <laughs> right yet. there. Yeah. They can they can burn them. I mean, there's so many things that at this point, you know, I do, you as a parent need to consider when it's okay for you to leave your kids alone. Because maybe um, every, seven every child seems is like different. But... Way too early. Yeah. My comfort okay. level. Seven years old, I don't know. I mean, and I know single parenting is not an easy task. Um, I'm a single mom. I have three kids. I, I have a, a seven-year-old, actually, and I'm thinking, would I leave Nathanael by himself? Oh, my goodness. I'm just freaking out just, just <laughs> hearing that. Now, I understand sometimes things happen. Something happened to me this morning, just like something similar to this. Mm -hmm. I, I came to do this podcast today, and my babysitter, I don't know if she forgot that I was bringing my daughter by, but she wasn't there. So what did I do? But I work with Family Bridges. We're family-oriented. Mm -hmm. I brought my daughter. Yeah. Thankfully, I was able to do that. She's outside of the studio. here, in the, It's in the yeah. studio, but not in the recording cabin. So... I brought her with me. I was able to do that. I know many parents can't do that if they're working at a, at a regular office or a corporate or whatever. For a date, though, I th and tell me, doctor, if, if I'm being judgmental here, but I think we need to set our priorities straight. A date is not, I don't know. I mean, my children would come first. So postpone the date. Yeah, my kids come judgment. first. I don't know. Yeah, poor judgment. Katie. 
What can you say to single parents who want to have time for themselves? Obviously, we know that it's important that you have time for yourself. But then when you face challenges like this, mom, what would you say to them? I think just staying planning, planning ahead and preparing and really, I mean, part of self-care as a single parent is making sure you do have time for yourself because, you know, there's the old saying, if, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. making sure that you have a support network where you do have a, a standby babysitter or a family member or somebody, you know, that can help you out. We all need that alone time, especially just to rejuvenate and refresh and be prepared for our kids. I think just preparation is the number one priority I would that I would advise just with friends that are in those situations. My parents were divorced when I was young. I lived that life from 11, age 11 up. And so I was old enough and it was a different time where I was old enough to stay alone and felt safe doing that. But times have certainly changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Laws, I one interesting thing I, I heard towards the end of this sketch is I think the mother was looking forward to her date so much that she was unwilling to let it go, right? And when she started to pitch the idea to her seven-year-old of watching herself and her daughter seemed understandably like, Hesitant. this doesn't, yeah, this doesn't mm-hmm. seem okay, mom. The mother almost got more upset mm-hmm. with the daughter. I could hear in her voice, I'm frustrated, like, this is something I want to do. I don't mm-hmm. want you to stand in my way of this, which honestly seems unhealthy. But is there any advice you can give to parents so that they can handle their emotions more properly and not take them out on their kids when, you know, life throws you a wrench, when the babysitter's not mm-hmm. there? One uh, indicator for sure of knowing if your kids are ready is that they're telling you they're not ready. So the mm-hmm. seven-year-old's yeah. like, I'm not ready. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> they will tell you that. So definitely listening into the cues of your kids listening is pretty important. In that moment, she just maybe needed to take a breath. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She wasn't listening. Yeah. And being able to have a habit of self-care that's throughout perhaps puts you in a situation where you're not so desperate mm. that mm-hmm. it clouds your judgment. Sure. Because if you are really distraught, really overwhelmed, really exhausted, then it starts messing with your judgment. You maybe haven't slept for days. and So all of a sudden you start getting irritated. Yeah. And if we're able to step back and be more proactive in our self-care, and I understand as a single parent, that's very difficult to right. do. For a parent, it's mm-hmm. difficult to do because kids are constantly needing and demanding of you and taking away from you. Mm-hmm. And so you need to figure out how to incorporate 10 minutes a day kind of a thing where you're yeah. refueling yourself. And perhaps it's in more micro levels and smaller dosages mm-hmm. than a bigger, you know, one one time thing. Right. We might have to create more of a habit of that so that we can be more calm and collected and so, thoughtful. Yeah. Because do kids do pull out of you the worst version of yourself because... They are so needy, emotionally draining, and it does wear you out. And so if you're feeling that irritation inside of you, your tone gets negative and saucy, just feeling your blood pressure is going up, those are all indicators that let you know that you're you're not being the best version of yourself. You're not being the best parent that could mm-hmm. possibly be. And so you need to figure out how to manage that and and have outlets that put your kids to bed and take a bubble bath if you mm-hmm. need to. But self-care can come in a lot of different formats, not just going out. Absolutely. And I, I really, what's going to stick with me after this podcast is what Katie, our guest panelist, said. <laughs> if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Yeah. True. And I know I'm a papa, but I know I'm going to be using that one. So thanks for that. Well, thank you both for sharing your expertise and um, your experience with this matter. It's been a great discussion. But tell us, Katie, where can people learn more about you, your organization, and your book? I am at thegurianinstitute.com, which is spelled G as in Gregory, U-R-I-A-N as in Nancy, institute.com. 
I also have my own Facebook page called Katie from the Block. It's K A T E Y from the Block. I love that. And I post a lot of a lot of um, parenting articles and workshops and things we do locally and nationally as well. Awesome. All right, now it's time to wrap up this episode. It is time for keeping it real, Dr. Alicia. What is your takeaway today? Good grief! There's so many so many things in here that we covered, but we need to loosen up if we're feeling like we're tight, too tight mm-hmm. with our kids. Mm-hmm. And if we're too loose, perhaps we need to tighten up a little bit in terms of our parenting style with our kids. You know, if we're finding ourselves constantly making decisions, constantly intervening, constantly answering the questions for our kids, we need to pull back and provide them with an opportunity to make those decisions, coach them through it. You know, if it is respect that we want them to value in others when their kids, you know, kids are fighting each other instead of stepping in and resolving that issue, say, how can you both respect each other in that situation? Mm -hmm. So kind of equip them and coach them so that they can then raise up to the values that you'd like for them to implement. And if, on the other hand, you're finding yourself too exhausted, too worn out, too irritated as a parent, and you're being short on your kids, you're making poor judgment and just letting them loose and letting them run the course, then in that regard, you need to figure out how to do some more self-care so you can be more attentive and just be a good parent overall. Love it. Love it. Great tips. Thanks for that, doctor. Now, this was The Struggle is Real. Stay up to date with resources and more on FamilyBridgesUSA.org. And if you're looking for more parenting tips and topics, you can find us on social media with hashtag The Struggle is Real or just hashtag TSIR. Thank you for listening. We're Veronica Avila, Dr. Alicia Laos, and Freddie Beckley. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com. Bye.